Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Buffalo Bills lost last night. And afterwards, they fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. The Bills are averaging 26 points per game this season. The Steelers have only scored 26 points or above three times over this season and last. Just saying. Kenny Pickett stinks. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on today's show trying to get you to understand that. Mike Tomlin lumped himself and Pickett together today at his press conference when he said, quote, Guys like Kenny and myself were measured by wins and losses. We know what our jobs are. Our jobs are to win, unquote. Okay, coach, when's the last time you won a playoff game? Because your job ain't just to go nine and eight. You're in Pittsburgh. Your job is to win playoff games and have a shot at the Super Bowl. As far as Kenny Pickett goes, the Steelers are winning despite him. Not because of him, but despite him. And in this era of fantasy culture, when every stat posted by every player in every sport is parsed and analyzed, and made to count for something, you want me to think that Kenny Pickett's stats don't matter. That if the Steelers win, despite Pickett, despite how horrible he is on a game-in and game-out basis, I'm supposed to believe that Kenny Pickett is doing good enough. I don't think so, Joel. Kenny Pickett absolutely stinks. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in football. Not to be critical, this is the Mark Madden Show live from the lobby of the Hotel Paradise. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at Mark Madden X. Despite that rant, and despite me telling you all day yesterday why the Steelers suck, that's despite them being 6-3. and three. Boy, the word despite... Comes up a lot when you're talking about the Steelers, often in contradictory fashion. But after all this talk of suck, right now I'm going to tell you why the Steelers can beat Cleveland and probably will. And if the Steelers do win at Cleveland and go to 7-3, and three, they will make the playoffs and get killed in the first round. Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland quarterback, he's got a bum ankle. If Watson can't play or has to come out mid-game, P.J. Walker, the backup, he ain't going to beat the Steelers. If Minka can play, and that don't look like he's going to, but that won't solve that inside backer problem. But Keanu Neal won't be needed at safety as much. The bad news there is Keanu Neal is also banged up as well. If Fryermuth can't play, and it looks like he's going to, 
the Steelers will be almost forced to use the middle of the field unless they don't anyway. Those are a lot of ifs. But the Steelers are 6-3 and three, instead of 2-and-suck and suck because a lot of ifs have come through. And if Minka can't play, don't play him. I don't want to rush Minka back. But I will say you need him in this game even more than you need him against Cincinnati because of Cleveland's ground game and because of Najoku, the Cleveland tight end. But if the Steelers win this game, 7-3 and three will put the Steelers in the playoffs, I'm telling you. I want your thoughts on any of that. I want to know if you finally understand that Pickett stinks. I doubt that you do. But hey, if you don't yet, you will. Because the sample size of suck is going to keep growing and growing and growing. Not unlike my hush your mouth. I'm only talking about Shaft. That was a weak ad lib. Let's talk hockey. I'm watching the game tonight at Caliente in Crafton, so do join me there. A lot of stuff to give away. A lot of great pizza, obviously. Columbus is a tricky opponent for the Penguins. Last place in the Metro at four wins against 11 losses. But that rookie center they got is going to take over the league at some point, Adam Fantilli. And even now, Fantilli can take over the odd game. Gaudreau sucks for them so far. One goal in 15 games, and their goaltending is meh at best. Hockey Hall of Fame induction last night. Tom Barrasso got in. He gave a very gracious uh, induction speech. I thought he might go on a revenge tour like Michael Jordan when he got inducted into the basketball hall, but uh, Tom thanked his teammates, didn't thank the media for some reason, talked about his parents and about being adopted. That was a nice moment. Thanks, Scotty Bowman, Tony Esposito, and Craig Patrick, uh, who were all coaches or executives during his tenure here in Pittsburgh. Scotty drafted Barrasso in the first round when Scotty was GM at Buffalo, and Barrasso famously won the Rookie of the Year and Best Goalie Trophies in his first season in the National Hockey League. Uh you know, I wonder if Barrasso truly appreciates and enjoys being in the Hall of Fame or if he's just a miserable prick to the very end. Uh, last night, he didn't come off as uh, the miserable prick he usually does. Rossi wrote that the Penguins want to bring Barrasso back at some point to a game, a ceremony at PPG, but F that. F that. He's a douche. To know him is to hate him. Very few in Pittsburgh like him. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He deserves it. Now let him disappear. Uh, you don't have to make sure Barrasso feels a part of things. When he was a Penguin, he never felt he had to do that for anybody, be it media, be it teammate, be it anybody he just ran into. Just a, a bad guy. Uh, I, I mentioned Tony Esposito. And that reminds me that sometimes I feel like I'm living in a fishbowl. But uh, Tony Esposito had an awful tenure as Penguins GM. Tony O being a Hall of Fame goalie, but a bad executive. But he did 
trade for Barrasso. He did understand the value there. Uh, as I wrote a blog about today, and there's a great article up at theathletic.com too, Yarmer Yager still isn't in the Hall of Fame because of a technicality, because he's still playing pro hockey in the Czech AAA League at 51, and you have to be retired from all hockey for three years before you get in the Hall, even though Gordie Howe, Mario, and Guy Lafleur all retired, made the Hall, came back, played in the NHL, and yet somehow the building on Young Street in Toronto didn't collapse. Uh, Yager has the second most points all time, the fourth most goals all time, one of the top ten players all time, and the fact that the Hockey Hall of Fame is playing games with Yager to keep him out is just embarrassing. Uh, If it was somebody from Toronto playing the occasional game in the East Coast Hockey League for a team he owned to try to keep that team alive in his hometown, no less like Yager's doing in Kladno, Czech Republic, you can bet that guy would long since have been in the hall. They would have long since made an exception. Penguins now have 15 players in the Hall of Fame, and it's going to be a ton more. Uh, What a hockey franchise we got here in Pittsburgh. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. I thought that was a strong monologue to open the show. Um, Kenny Pickett stinks, and I don't even really want to talk about it. You can lobby like so many of the media stooges do, and Tomlin did today. He wins. He just wins. He won't win enough, and they're winning despite him. He stinks. The numbers don't lie. I don't care to talk about it. GFY. Uh, we got Pierre Maguire on at 3.30 to talk about all this Barrasso and Yager stuff and also about the Penguins winning four straight. We got Mike DeFabo of The Athletic talking Steelers at 4.30. Like I, I said, it shows beginning. Don't look like Mink is going to play. Looks like Fryermuth will. And then we got the Hockey Night Show at 5.30. Going to talk to Penguins intermission and postgame host Brian Metzer. This is the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the status of Cleveland quarterback Deshaun Watson is up in the air for Sunday. He rolled his ankle, had an MRI today, haven't seen the results. But after he rolled his ankle, he came back in the second half and went 14 for 14 for 134 yards uh, in that big comeback victory against Baltimore. Now think about this. Kenny Pickett the whole game threw for 126 yards when they beat Green Bay. Deshaun Watson threw for a buck 34 on a bum ankle against a much better team in one half. Uh, I want to talk more about Browns versus Steelers. The Browns are good. I think the Browns are better than their record. The Steelers aren't as good as their record. Cleveland has run 166 more offensive plays than their opponents. The Steelers have run 75 plays less. Nick Chubb is out. Maybe the best running back in the league for Cleveland. But that Ford, he runs the ball okay. That second-year guy who had 106 yards against the Steelers in Week 2. This is going to be a tough game for the Steelers. But we've been uh, having a theme in today's show. 
starting with Tom Barrasso about people who are dinks. Right now I'm having a hard time picking between Megan Rapino and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Megan Rapino, the U.S. women's national team soccer player, she played her last game in that women's soccer league final, the championship game, and she got hurt and left the game in the third minute. And her team lost, which makes it even better. And Megan Rapino said afterwards at the press conference, what happened to her proves there is not a God. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm not a big believer myself, but I don't go around minimizing either. And anyway, how many last games did Rapino play? I thought her last game was with the U.S. women's team, and then she kept playing in the league, and now there's another last game. Megan Rapino, last games for her are like kiss with retirement tours. And then you got Jim Harbaugh, who is playing the victim after getting caught cheating. Harbaugh said that Michigan should be America's team because they cheat, I guess. That's not exactly a win-one-for-the-Gipper speech, but, hey, that is America. If we cheat, it's okay. If you cheat, it is not. Uh, Harbaugh's team got caught cheating, and he's playing the victim. To repeat, that is America. We suck. And then... This morning on ESPN, Jeff Saturday, who when it comes to meathead douchebags, he's near the top of the list. He was talking about Harbaugh not getting due process. And somebody, I think it was Adam Schefter, said, what are you talking about? This isn't a courtroom. It's not a criminal proceeding. He's not entitled to due process. The Big Ten can do whatever they want, which is exactly true. Uh, 412-333-WXDX. Oh, the San Diego Padres owner died. Peter Seidler. That, that's a shame. Uh, had cancer twice, a courageous man. I may need stitches on my tongue after the show. And uh, in other baseball news, uh, Johan Oviedo, the Pirates pitcher, he's having severe right elbow discomfort and might need Tommy John surgery. How come we never get good news about the Pirates? How come it's always injury with the young talent and not improvement? Got a lot of hockey to talk about. Nobody better to do it with than Pierre Maguire. He's up next on 105.9. Lots going on with the Penguins. On the ice, four wins in a row. Off the ice, a goaltender from the glory days. The original glory days goes into the Hall of Fame. Joining me now to talk about it. He's done everything you can in the great sport of hockey. He is Pierre Maguire. Pierre, Tom Barrasso just went into the Hall of Fame. You were an assistant coach when he was on the Penguins. What do you remember most about him? How feisty and competitive he was, Mark, and how well he could handle the puck. What a great skater he was as a goaltender. Um, but his competitive nature and his battle levels always increased um, as the stakes got higher. And what was really interesting about Tom last night, I thought he was unbelievably eloquent. Um, it was the first time I really felt that I'd seen him let his guard down in terms of being sensitive about different things. And I thought that was really fitting for him. I thought it was really a, a tremendous speech. 
he fits so well into what the Hockey Hall of Fame is about. And um, I'm really, really happy for Tom and his family. I, just to be fully transparent, I am on the committee. It's an 18-person committee. And um, I was really, really proud uh, when they selected Tom to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, I want to stay with uh, your analysis of his puck handling because I maintain that Barassa was the best puck handler ever among goalies. Better than Hextall, better than Marty Brodeur, and the proof's in the pudding. A career leader in assists, and you just couldn't dump the puck against the Penguins. I would agree with that. And there was one team, and I will tell you who it was, the New York Rangers, when we played them in the 1992 uh, second round of the playoffs. Uh, what people don't remember is they would lose face-offs on purpose, hoping that Tom Barassa would handle the puck. Now, Tommy's a left-hand shot. So the puck would go back to Tommy, and they would flood. They would do this on purpose. They would flood our left side of the ice, their right side of the ice with a forecheck, and it worked really well for them uh, in game number two and game number three. And then we made an adjustment as a group and we started telling Tommy to reverse the flow of the puck and play it on his backhand. And, Mark, your point is so well taken. That worked, and uh, nobody else really keyed in on that, but we were very fortunate that Tommy was able to make the adjustment. The team followed through on it, and uh, I can tell you his puck handling was a weapon. But the other part, Mark, was his skating. In order to be a good puck handler, you got to be able to retrieve the puck, and Tommy was such a good skater. He could go back and get it and make really quick plays with it, and that's one of the things that really helped him was his skating. Barrasso didn't get rattled by the Penguins being so attack-minded. He didn't worry about his stats. Uh, I always thought that kind of made him the perfect fit for that era, those cup teams. There were two goalies in, in that era that were really good. Actually, three. Billy Smith was very good with the Islanders with that. Grant Fuhr was unbelievable with the Edmonton Oilers with that, and I thought Tom Barrasso was their equal uh, in terms of being able to not find uh, frustration with odd man rushes against or breakaways against or high quality chances against because of how composed he was and mentally strong he was. Now, uh, as a member of the committee, uh, I'm curious to hear your response to this. Yarmer Yager isn't yet in the hall. How can that be? I know there's a three-year rule, but who cares if he's playing AAA hockey in check? <laughs> Well, I didn't make the rules. I just live by them. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think anybody needs to worry about Yarmir going in. Um, I think it's just a matter of when he decides to stop playing. And um, I know there have been a couple of instances where players uh, have gone in before the three-year window. I don't know if that's going to happen with Yarmir or not. But, um, you know, all you have to do, the proof is in the pudding with his career, not just by the way, it's not just NHL. The Hockey Hall of Fame is not the NHL Hall of Fame. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. So it takes into account a lot of the things that you did prior um, you know, to getting in the NHL. That's one of the things that helped Tommy Barrasso a lot. He's the first ever goalie that made the jump directly from high school to the NHL, in the history of the game, by the way, to make the jump from uh, high school at Acton-Boxborough to the NHL and then win Rookie of the Year. And win the Vesna. Think about that. That's that's an unbelievable accomplishment um, for Yarmir, fifth overall in the 1990 draft. You think about what he did at the World Junior, playing on a line with Robert Reichel and Bobby Holik. They were just dominant. That's when the Russians had an unbelievable line with Fedorov, McGilney, and Bure. 
uh, and the checks where they're equal with that great Yarmir Yager line. Um, I look at Yarmir and the things that he did in the Olympics. I look at Yarmir and the things that he did playing in the KHL. And obviously his NHL record is, is unblemished. Um, so I, I would say that this is not going to be a very difficult thing to get Yarmir Yager in. Well, the Penguins are going to retire uh, Yager's number 68 this coming February, deservedly so, obviously. Uh, what are your memories of him? Because you were here when he was a teenager, and he was a quirky kid. I don't mean that uh, in derogatory fashion, but he was a, a stranger in a strange land for the longest time. What I remember the most is skating lots of hours with him. His passion to get better was overwhelming. Uh, he loved being on the ice. He was the first player in the league that I can remember that would run the stadium stairs before games. Now it's almost every guy in the league does that. And I think Yarmer, people saw the success Yarmer had and started copying. Um, he was as strong as any young player physically as I've ever seen. I couldn't believe his grip. His grip strength was just insane, and the size of his lower body was off the charts. Um, I, you know, there were, were there some things that were quirky? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you one story. Uh, Craig Patrick was wise enough with the late Bob Johnson and Scotty Bowman to realize that Yarmir was having a tough time dealing with language issues, um, and in particular not being on the first power play. And so we went out, uh, the organization went out, led by Craig, and they traded for Yuri Herdina. And Yuri, who had won the Cup in 1989 in Calgary and was a legendary player in the Czech Republic before he came to the NHL, um, Yuri basically sat there and explained to Yarmir, um, how he was going to have to play. It's a lot like when Evgeny Malkin came over, Ray Sherrill was wise enough to have Sergei Gonchar around, and Sergei acted like uh, the babysitter for Evgeny Malkin. And it's the same thing, I think, when we got Yuri Herdina from Calgary. That really helped Yarmir settle down because there was some quirkiness to him. There's no question. We're talking to Pierre Maguire. He's brought to us by Mike Kelly Automotive and by Duncan. Uh, turning to the present day, Pierre, the Penguins have now won four straight. What's been the primary catalyst there? Because, and boy, I can't believe I'm saying this, they're among the best defensive teams statistically in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, urgency mattered a lot. And it started out when they were in San Jose and they found a way. Then they go down to Anaheim and they found a way. Then they go into L.A. and they found a way, which was very impressive because the L.A. Kings at this point, anyways, I have to tell you, playing as well or better than most teams in the National Hockey League. I mean, they've really, really been playing great hockey, and they were on a tremendous run on the road uh, for Pittsburgh to go in there and win was tremendous. And obviously on Saturday night, shutting out Buffalo. Tristan Jarry, I think he has three shutouts so far this year, Mark, if I remember correctly. Yep, yep, leads the league. Um, yeah, so there you go. I mean, so we talked about this before the season. They needed consistency from Tristan and Nett. I think they've gotten it by and large. There are a couple games you could argue with that, but more times than not, he's been very consistent. That would speak to the shutouts, um, and that's really positive. And I think the biggest thing is there's been a buy-in. I think Mike Sullivan going into that Western road trip had a very captive audience. The team wasn't playing well, and I think the maturity of the team really came through because they bought into Mike's message. Eric Carlson is better defensively. They're not figured. Uh, why is that? And it seems to me that Marcus Pedersen has been a good fit as his partner. Well, Marcus is really good with offensive-type guys because he's going to stay back. It's a little bit like Brian Dumoulin uh, when he was in Pittsburgh. Uh, Hal Gill going back to the Stanley Cup days when he was in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, guys that understand, look, they have to stay back. they got to do the heavy lifting. they got to clear the crease. 
uh, and let the offensive guys go to work. And obviously there's a very good comfort level uh, in terms of communication on the ice with Pedersen and Carlson because they're both Swedes. I think that matters a lot too. There's obviously a huge amount of respect, I think, for Eric from all Swedes, but in particular from Pedersen. So um, I think there's a lot to that. And I also, to, to be totally blunt, I, I think Todd Reardon does a really good job with the defensemen um, in Pittsburgh and has for a long time. And Mike's systems are really protective of the defense. So you put it all together, I think that helps Eric be a better player. Redeem Zahorna has had impact since rejoining the team after getting cut at camp. It's funny, yeah. Pierre, because we've both seen it uh, thousands of times, how a third liner can unexpectedly uh, get the ship moving in a better direction. You know, energy matters a lot. Passion matters a lot um, in hockey. And that's why I don't I quibble a little bit with all the overhype of analytics because you can't measure a man's heart and you can't measure a man's fearlessness. But when you watch, you know, some guys play, and Zahorner right now is playing right on the edge. How about Vinny Henestroza? There's another guy playing right on the edge. Um, it, it's just fun to watch. And I think I used to say this all the time. When players get sent to the American Hockey League, they see it as a demotion. But a lot of times it's a learning thing. But the biggest problem is they have to get used to fast food and diesel fumes. Um, cause you eat a lot of McDonald's and you ride a lot of buses <laughs> when you're in the NHL, it's the four seasons. It's a St. Regis. It's a Ritz Carlton. It's surf and turf. And so if you get a little taste of that and then you have to do the fast food and the diesel fumes, you can't wait to get back to the private planes in the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> Pierre, uh, penguins are at Columbus tonight. Where are the blue jackets at? I, I think they're a bit better than their record. And obviously it's early days in the Fantilli era. Well, Adam's going to be a really special player. I've been watching him since he played at Kimball Union Academy up in uh, Hanover, New Hampshire. I watched him play the Chicago Steel, obviously watched him with the University of Michigan. He, he's a really talented, very, very special player. Um, I thought, you know, obviously between he and Leo Carlson, who Anaheim took with the second pick, you got two uh, tremendous players, uh, both those teams, Anaheim and, and Columbus. The thing to me is there's not enough pure offense with their group right now. Biggest disappointment for them is, has to be Johnny Goudreau. He's already been a healthy scratch. He's only got one goal this year. Um, he has definitely been struggling. Their penalty kill, though, I have to tell you, Mark, has been one of the strengths of their team. Um, their goaltending has been a bit of a strength for them. I think a big problem for them is they haven't had a healthy Patrick Lyon. He's only played six games this year. Um, and they just don't have enough pure offense. It's been a big problem for them. Um, and now they've lost one of their better offensive forwards in Jack Roslovic for at least four weeks and probably six with a broken ankle. So that's that's been the biggest thing for them, just limited offense. And then the Penguins host New Jersey Thursday. That's a big test. The Devils have lost three out of four. I wonder, are they hitting a wall due to Jack Hughes' absence. Now, I know he's going to be back soon, but uh, it, it seemed like that the adrenaline you get when your star's out, that that's worn off by now. Yeah, it's not just Jack Hughes. It's Nico Heischer, too. Right. So you take, you, take your two, you take your two top centermen out of the lineup, and I don't care how good a team you are. Uh, the, the truth is, is that you need to have two dominant centers to win in this league. And Nico Heischer's only played seven of their first 13 games. You know, Jack Hughes has played 10 of their first 13 games. So, you know, that's a bit of a problem. And, and I like Michael McLeod a lot. I think he's a very good player. But he's a fourth-line center on a really good team in the NHL. And right now he's having to play as a number one or a number two. And that's just 
hurting them. It's hurting them a lot. So not having those two players has really been a problem for New Jersey. We talked about Adam Fantilli before. Connor McDard in uh, in Chicago, he's starting to take off. Seven goals in his last six games. I'm I'm thinking no, but could he run away with rookie of the year? Is he going to get so far out in front with a lot of goals? He could, but I'm going to throw a little love towards a Pittsburgh guy, Logan Cooley. Right. Uh, who's having a tremendous start to his professional career out in Arizona. The thing about Bedard that is so scary to me when I watch him, they're, they're, and I know fans are going to get all upset about this, but I did the same thing with Sidney Crosby, to be fair. I said Crosby's got the peripheral vision of Wayne Gretzky, which I think you can't argue with now. He's got the mass and the bulk and the ability to dominate the puck down low of Peter Forsberg, which I don't think you can debate at this point over the success that Sydney's had. And the third thing that Sydney has is he's arguably got, it's not the best backhand in NHL history, one of the top three backhands in NHL history, and he's always had that. So he had three redeeming qualities, Crosby, that were just sensational. And people would get mad at me for saying that stuff, but <laughs> the truth of the matter is he's lived up to all that hype. With Connor Bedard, he's got the same peripheral vision as Sid and Wayne Gretzky. He's got an uncanny ability to accelerate with the puck on his stick that you don't see from many players. Um, and the third thing that makes him so special, his shot. I, I've been doing this a long time, Mark, over almost 35 years now at the NHL level. I've, I've never seen a young player come into the league that shoots the puck like this guy. I, I've never. He's 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 got an amazing gift. I don't know how far he hits a golf ball. I don't know if he knows how to play baseball or not, but his hand-eye coordination is absolutely insane. And finally, Pierre, uh, we got to talk about Edmonton. His agent runs hockey ops. His his coach is now his old junior A coach. How much pressure is on Connor McDavid in Edmonton now? Because really, the team's been constructed. I'm assuming as per his liking. Well, I think there's always going to be pressure on any kind of player like that. Um, obviously, he's one of the top players in the league, maybe the top player in the league, depending on who you talk to or the day that you're talking to them. Um, here's what I would tell you about Chris Knobloch. I watched him coach with Kootenai Ice in the Western Hockey League. He was outstanding. I watched him move into the uh, Erie Otters organization in the Ontario Hockey League. He was there for three years with Connor McDavid. He was a phenomenal coach there. I watched him coach as an assistant coach in Philadelphia uh, under Dave Haxtall. I got to tell you, he was tremendous there. I watched him run a lot of practices. He did a real good job there. I've watched his American Hockey League team that he's coached the last three years in, in Hartford, the New York Rangers farm team. He was outstanding. I think they hit on a really good coach. The fact that he has a relationship with our prior relationship with Connor McDavid doesn't hurt. Um, because Connor McDavid now can go to Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Darnell Nurse and Zach Hyman, the top players in Edmonton, say, I played for this guy. He's the real deal. Like, we're going to show up and we're going to compete for this guy. So you put it all together. Does the coaching overcome bad goaltending? No. I still think they need to address their goaltending. Does the coaching overcome their defense? Maybe a little bit because of the systems that they might implement, but we'll see. But what I do know is they're going to ring up some numbers offensively, and that could probably help them battle back into a playoff position. But they they hired they didn't hire like a fluke of a guy. They fought, hired a really good coach, really really good coach. Pierre, great stuff as always. Fantastic insight. Enjoy the week of hockey, and we'll do it again next week. 
Thanks a lot, my friend. Take care, Mark. Enjoy the week, everybody. That's Pierre McGuire. That's the best hockey talk anywhere, period, anywhere. Pierre brought to us by Mike Kelly Automotive and by Duncan. Uh, we're going to talk more about this Steelers-Bronze matchup. Adam Crowley, because I'm not afraid to, to quote guys from the other station. You know, they might be afraid to quote me. That's because I'm way better than all of them. But everybody knows I like Crowley. He said something real interesting about bronze fans as opposed to Steeler fans. I'll talk about that in a second here on 105.9. Here's something kind of scary. The guy who skates killed Adam Johnson, the former Penguin. In that hockey game in the UK, the guy's skate came up and there's no nice way to say it. It cut Johnson's throat and he died. Apparently he's going to be charged with manslaughter. And part of me says that's good because what he did was reckless and did more than just endanger Johnson that killed him. But I always hate stuff like that being dragged into sports because once it starts, where does it stop? This segment brought to us by Armstrong Comfort Solutions and by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct. From the team at shop.steelers.com. Anyway, Adam Crowley, our buddy, he tweeted earlier today regarding the Steelers and Browns both being 6-3. and three. Quote, I envy Browns fans a little bit. They're 6-3 and three and their fans seem to be having a good time. Not every win-loss tie has to be a referendum on what this team will do come playoff time. I'm guilty of being critical, but if you can't celebrate when the team wins... Why watch, unquote. Part of me agrees with with, what Crowley said, but a bigger part of me thinks this ain't Cleveland. It's Pittsburgh. The Browns have never ever won a Super Bowl. So, of course, they're going to be happy with table scraps. Steelers got six Lombardis. I know that some of you have been dumbed down by Coach T never having had a losing season and the Steelers not having won a playoff game in six years. But if you're grateful for scraps, you shouldn't be. And if you see through the fraud that the Steelers are at 6-3 and three, and people citing Kenny Pickett's win-loss record like it's a legitimate quarterback stat, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you. 412-333-WXDX. We've got a couple callers on hold. We'll get to them at some point. Uh, one little ad about Barrasso. Pierre and I were talking about his puck handling. I think he's better than Bredor was, better than Hextall was. And the proof is he had 48 assists. That's the most by a goaltender in his NH, in an NHL career. And he had eight helpers in a season twice while with the Penguins. He could move the puck. And he's the all-time Penguins leader in penalty minutes by goaltender with nearly five times Matt Murray's total. So yeah, he was feisty. He'd fight anybody. The media, half his teammates, and once in a while, even the other team. 105.9 X. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.